Welcome. Welcome to Wake Up to the Word Thursday's edition, June 15. We're so glad you're joining us here at Wake Up to the Word. Welcome to our studio audience that does not exist as we come to you deep from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. We have some, uh, I want to welcome some uh, new listeners. I don't know how many, uh, but we have a new country listening in with new people listening in. So we are now being heard in six countries. Um, I I don't know the ratio, the bulk of them, obviously, United States, uh, people listening. Uh, But we have a percentage of people in Canada, Mexico, the United Kingdom, Papua New Guinea, and now Malaysia. So welcome, all of you. Glad you're joining us. Glad you're listening into the podcast. Wake up to the word, and we hope that you have enjoyed what you're hearing, and it's not too silly. (laughs) So uh, we do love the word of God. Uh, We do like to have fun as well. We believe humor is also God's creation. We also love coffee, and our coffee for the week is we went back to an old standby um, um, pa, um, Dunkin' Donuts, just Kerrig drip coffee. So a lot of advertising there. I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, it's just Dunkin' Donuts drip coffee. But I do have uh, coconut cream zero sugar creamer in it. So that's a new combination if you want to try that. So I it's uh, often tough to find the zero sugar creamer in coconut cream but uh but we found one it's good i enjoy it and we also have animal crackers uh here but i won't eat one because then it'll be all crunchy so um our reading for today our old testament reading for the week is numbers 29 through 36 and there's some cool stuff here i'm actually going to back up a little bit chapter 28 so um if you join us there, because that is connected to 29. So uh, I, I know we split it up from last week and this week, but uh, we are certainly um, going to talk about those in the completeness of it. Because these are, oh boy, happens every time. These are connected with the offerings, the uh, daily offerings, the Sabbath offering, and they talk about the feasts that are going to happen. So then the monthly offerings, so they have daily offerings that are supposed to come. They have Sabbath offerings, which is that Friday night to Saturday night. Um, they have a monthly offering, which, uh, which they bring. They have offerings. Then they have Passover offerings, which we've read about before. And then offerings for the Feast of Weeks, which comes right on connected to the Passover. And then they have an offerings for the Feast of Trumpets, which we've talked about, and the Feast of Booths, which we've talked about. So all of these feasts have offerings that come with them. And the amount of animals that are sacrificed is absolutely incredible. <clears throat> Amazing amount of animals. So, uh, But there's also... They pour out a tenth of, uh, I mean, they make it a tenth of an ephah. So, you know, that's a portion that you have. But they do this all the time. They have these offerings given daily on the Sabbath. 
They have extra, they have monthly offerings, and then when these special feast comes, they had more offerings. So, uh, Israel's sacrifice um, come to, for, <laughs> for the offerings that they give, these sacrifices that they give uh, over, over this time period, over a year, 1,086 lambs, this is just the ones that the priests do now, 1,086 lambs, 113 bulls, 32 rams, over a ton of flour, and more than 1,000 bottles of oil, 1,000 bottles of wine. That these are the sacrifices that are made, and this does not include, this does not include all the individual offerings that are given by people that uh, sacrifices for their sin and those kind of things that they bring in. Unbelievable amount of sacrifice. And all of these things adding up, it, it, there is a written record of a Passover, lambs being brought in for sacrifice, a written record during Jesus' time, first century written record, 255,600 lambs were sacrificed in one Passover. One Passover. Why all this carnage? Why all this bloodshed? Why all this sacrifice by all of these animals? And here's what you need to take away from all of that. As you read through this and you see all of these animals being sacrificed. And I know we have lots of animal lovers out there who say, I don't believe that God would do this. Here's what God's showing us. The blood of bulls and goats and lambs and doves and pigeons. I don't care how many you sacrifice. Does not atone for sin. Only the blood of the Savior atones for your sin. I don't care what number you do. I don't care how many you sacrifice. I don't care how long you're doing sacrifices. I don't care how many, how long, who's doing them. I don't care if it's priests. I don't care if it's people. I don't care who's doing it. I'm showing you this sacrifice that you're making. You're feeling these sacrifices and it still comes short. It doesn't pay for sin. It does not atone for sin. Only the blood from the Lamb of God can take away the sin of the world. And that's Jesus Christ. So as you read through all of this, you may see the carnage and the animal sacrifice. And you may be an animal lover. And, and yes, that, that it hurts you to read that. But understand, God's put this into place because... He wants us to get it. He wants us to see there's no sacrifice big enough, long enough, hard enough that atones for the sin of mankind, but the one that Jesus gave. All right. Now we move on to vows, men and women, men's vows, uh, men and vows and women and vows. That's in 30. So uh, it talks about a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And we have a lot of, <clears throat> I'm never doing that again. That's actually a vow. And so the Lord tells us even in the New Testament, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is a very consistent thing. Uh, you need to be a truthful person. You need to be an honest person. You need to, if you say you're going to do something, do it. 
Okay, that's what the Lord's saying here. Now it gets into women's vows, and it says if she makes a vow, um, and and uh, she's uh, single, whether she's divorced or a widow or uh, any of those things, if she makes a vow, then she keeps she should keep that vow. But if she's under her father's authority in a father's household, or she's under her husband's authority in a husband household, and the husband's good with the vow, she needs to keep the vow. And the husband can hold her accountable to that, just as the Lord will hold the man accountable to that. And so, but if the husband doesn't want her to keep that vow, or the father doesn't want her to keep that vow, she's released from that bond, and there's no consequences for that. Because God has placed authority within the household. And you want a cookie? There you go. Austin gets a cookie. There you go. Um, so... Now we're gonna be hanging around the whole time, so um, <clears throat> so uh, yes, we're animal lovers here too. So, um, but th this just shows the accountability, the the authority and accountability structure that God has, and so uh, we want to make sure we understand that accountability structure. It's not that the woman is less than the man; it's that the God has placed an authority structure within the home. There's order among equals. Uh, and there has to be order among equals. You look at any any government structure and someone has more authority, it doesn't mean they're less of a person. It doesn't mean they're less intelligent. It doesn't mean that they, they have uh, less value. All it means is that God has placed authority so there can be order. You have to have order. So you have to have an authority structure. Then we go to 31 with his uh, vengeance on the Midianites. <clears throat> and... Um, you might say, why is there vengeance on the Midianites, Pastor Jeff? And Pastor Jeff would say, ah, good question. And so if you recall, uh, uh, with, with uh, Balaam, uh, he told them uh, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't violate uh, his vow with God. But what he did was he told the Midianites <clears throat> how they could get Israel to get God angry at them so that they could suffer consequences from God. And so they intentionally sexually seduced the men of Israel so that they would break their sexual vow, okay? That they would break their relational vow with God. So God says it's going to be vengeance for what they did. So... He said, avenge the people of Israel on Midianite. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people saying, arm the men from among you for the war, that they may go against Midian to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. So they killed all the males. Uh, authority, remember? And they killed the king, the kings of Midian. Uh, gives the names Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, Reba, and the five, uh, the five kings of Midian also killed Balaam, the son of Bor, with the sword. So uh, these uh, things were done out of retribution because they seduced the men of Israel. And then you see the plunder that they got. They took the plunder. Uh, 675,000 sheep. That's This is down in 32, verse 32 of uh, chapter 31. 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, 32,000 persons in all, women who had not been known by men were by lying with him, 
And so they took them in and uh, they, they divided them up, portions for the men who fought, portions for the temple, portions for the other people, and that's what the division is all there. Then they have Reuben and Gad settling in Gilead. That's um, its own little section. But I know I'm going to spend a lot of time on 33 here um, because I've been here the 33 before. 33 has kept me captivated for quite some time, and I'm actually writing a 40-day devotional about chapter Numbers chapter 33. And you're going, who's going to write something about Numbers 33? And <clears throat> here's, uh, let me just explain why this captivated me so much. Uh, I'm going to read the first uh, several verses, uh, two verses. These are the stages of the people of Israel when they went out of the land of Egypt by their companies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord, and these are their stages according to their starting places. So, this chapter then goes through all the places they stopped, started, restarted again, and started moving again through the wilderness. Now, some of these places they stayed for a short period of time. Some of these places they stayed for a long period of time. But this short little section, uh, verses uh, 1 through 49 um, of chapter 33 is all the stages that Israel went through as they traveled through the wilderness. Now, this intrigued me at some point where I started to do some research on the names of these stages. So, um, for instance, uh, they set out from Ramses on the first month. Now, Ramses was in Egypt. So we know that that Egyptian city of Ramses and Egypt itself represents the world, okay? They, they set out from the world. So if you want to <clears throat> look at this picture right here, this 40-day journey of Israel through the wilderness, <clears throat> you can picture your journey from being in the world through your salvation, your rescuing of your life, and you go into the wilderness, out of the world, into the wilderness, and now there's different stages that you have that you're going to walk through before you get to the promised land. So your life is a picture of all of these stops and starts, stops and starts, stops and starts all of the stages of your Christian life. Now, you may not hit all of them, and you may hit some of them multiple times. But what this tells us is we can recognize these stages, and we can, we can move on from them much quicker if we understand which stage we're in. And so I'm just going to hit some of these as highlights. I once did a whole message on it. You can go to the Life Coast archives and uh, look that up. <clears throat> but for instance, Egypt represents, Ramses represents the world. That's your first stage that you're setting out from. You're setting out from the world. I think my dog's going to bark in a minute. And if he does, I'm going to pause this and we'll put a commercial in, in this uh, pause spot. <laughs> so 
Uh, we'll just put, pull this up so I'm at the 16 minute marks. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> so if we come to this first one, Israel, um, Egypt represents the world. You're coming out of the world. You're coming out of Ramesses and you're heading out into the wilderness. And your first stop, so the people of Israel, this is verse 5, so the people of Israel set out from Ramesses and camped at Sekoth, 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 if you want to put it. And that means booths or small enclosures. So, <clears throat> so sometimes when we come to these places, we come out of the world and we feel like we're in this very small place. We feel like that we've, we've left the world and we are struggling. We're in a new home and we do not understand what this this new life is all about. And from there, they set off some Prakoth and camped at Etham. And that is with them. And that means God's with them. And so they, uh, we understand as we're moving forward that God is with us, okay? So that's some hope. We're in this, we're in the, we have this small new understanding. Our, our world, our Christian world is now very small and, and, uh, and enclosed because we don't know anything yet. But we understand God is with us. And so then they moved on from there, which, which is at the edge of the wilderness. Says that they set out from Etham and turned back to Piharathoth, which is the east, Balzaphon, and camped before Migdal. Okay? So Migdal is a tower. So you're going to... <clears throat> you see Migdal and you get a better perspective of the things around you. You're working better to get an understanding of the groundwork. They get to a high place and survey the land. This is what we do as, as a Christian. We come out of the wilderness. We feel like we have we don't have any knowledge. We're in a small understanding. We understand that God is with us, so we start to we start to get get to the high ground to try to survey the land and see what's next. Okay. Unfortunately, what often happens to many Christians and they come back to this next one again and again and again. They left Etham and they camped at Mara. Mara is a place that many Christians stop and camp at. It means bitterness. And this is a sad, sad place. But I've met so many Christians that have had hurts in their life. That people have hurt them. Maybe pastors have hurt them. Maybe Christians have hurt them. Maybe family members have hurt them whatever, they have some hurt in their life and they remain bitter throughout their life. They visit this stage, bitterness, and they park there and nothing seems to move them out of it. Sometimes they get out for a little while and then they return to it. We have to understand Israel didn't stay in Mara. They didn't stay in the bitter state. We're not supposed to stay in the bitter state. What we need to learn to do, no matter what the offense no matter who the offender, forgive. You want freedom? You forgive people. You want to understand how to get to the next stage? Forgive. You don't want to come back tomorrow? Forgive. That's the release. That's what helps you. That's what brings you hope. I'm not going to go through all of these because that's part of the devotional. I'm writing it now. I'm at about uh, day 16. 
It's going to be a 40 days out of the wilderness called Stages is the name of it. It's going to be a booklet, pamphlet. I've been writing it for a little while, about a year. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I hope to get some time to be able to finish it and, uh, and publish it. So um, uh, th- that's where we're going with that. And, and if you want to read through 33, it's a real task. I came back to it again and again and again, doing the research on each name. Some of them are regions. Some of them en- encompass each other. So, um, But there are 40 of them. And so uh, it's interesting that there are 40. And um, so uh, uh, pray for me so I can get this done because I'd really love to finish this this uh, project that I started that God laid on my heart. And I'd like to get it done and, um, and offer it out to folks. So... Um, yeah, 33. Then 34 is the boundaries of the land. Um, where are we here? We're on 21 minutes. <clears throat> so I found this interesting because the boundaries that were given here are a little bit different than the boundaries that Abraham got. Abraham's were very broad, went from uh, the Nile all the way across, uh, covered parts of uh, uh, um, Saudi Arabia and Egypt and uh, obviously all of Israel. Um, but this one seems to be a little more uh, smaller in scope, but um, still the region where they live. And I'm not sure if this is uh, this is the boundaries of the occupied land. That's what the difference seems to be to me. I looked up many different play, uh, commentaries to try to find out why. I didn't see a lot of writing on it. I'll, I'll keep looking. If I find something, I will let you know. But this seems to be... Uh, they have, uh, um, we went, remember back in 32, Reuben and Gad settled in Gilead. And so they are dividing up these lands to the tribes. And so we'll see it in verse 13, when I put my glasses, in verse 13, it says, Moses commanded the people of Israel saying, this is the land, this is, uh, so I'm sorry, chapter 34, Verse 13, Moses commanded the people of Israel saying, this is the land that you shall inherit by lot. So he's breaking it up by their lot, their lots, not lot a person, but the lots as in parcel, um, which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine tribes and to the half tribe for the tribe of the people of Reuben by father's houses and the tribes of the people of Gad by their father's houses have received their inheritance and also the half tribe of Manasseh the two tribes and the half tribe have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan east of Jericho towards the sunrise so they got their inheritance they got their land and they're already there two and a half tribes are over there so this is the nine and a half tribes that are part of part of the uh uh the inheritance, the lots that they will get. And you can see that if you look that up, you can Google that and say, where are the tribes? What are the, what's the land given to each tribe of Israel? So that's why this one is more condensed because this is what where they will actually, literally, their people will occupy. These will be their spaces for each tribe of Israel. And so that's why I'm thinking there's such a difference between these borders and boundaries and what Abraham says is the whole land given to them by God. And so the battle continues <clears throat> because 
the biblical descriptions, whether it's this one or the other one, infringes on Arab land. And of course, we know the Arabs come from Esau's, the tribes of Esau, the tribes of Ishmael. These are the Arab tribes that have always since then been warring with the tribes of Jacob and Esau, I mean Esau in, uh, against Jacob and Ishmael against Isaac. So these tribes have, because they were the firstborn. So uh, by uh, birthright, birthright, they should get the land. They should get the inheritance. But by promise, by promise, it's Jacob and Isaac that are the sons of the promise and were promised the inheritance, okay? Now we look at Abraham. Abraham got a promise. He wasn't from any lineage. God selected him and gave him a promise. <clears throat> That's how God gave the land, by promise, not by legal right, but by promise. Why are you a child of God? Because of promise. Not because you have any right to it. Not because you, you, you can claim it. Not because uh, you chose God, but because God promised you. That's why you have that promise. That's why you have the opportunity to be a child of God. Because of the promise of God. The promise of His Son. The promise of salvation. The promise of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So that finishes up. Uh, there's 35 and 36, the cities of the Levites, the city cities of refuge where there's opportunity for people who are running from the law to go. 36, marriage of female heirs. Talks all about that, women who inherit and those who marry them. So you can walk through all of that. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> if you have any questions, please, please send them in. Uh, we're excited to uh, answer those questions for you. But love you. Thanks for joining us on Wake Up to the Word, Old Testament Thursday. We're going to get that right out to you just as soon as we can. We're recording this morning, and uh, we will try and get it out to you. I'm going to go have lunch while these things process. God bless you. Maybe we'll see you Sunday morning. New series, uh, second message of the series, kingdom people this week at life coast church pastor brian kingsley giving the message this week you don't want to miss it come on out love to have you i'll be back thank you arnold we don't